Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Vandal Scoreboard Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Kellogg, and I'll be joined today once again by Braden Kane. We'll take a look at men's and women's basketball for the University of Idaho ahead of their matchups against Northern Arizona and Southern Utah. We'll also give our college basketball picks of the week, take a look at NBA news, along with who we think will get the first pick in the draft, kind of bottom-of-the-barrel teams. We'll also, of course, give our Mike Leach Awards at the end. Thank you all for listening, and as always, Go Vandals! Hello everyone and welcome back. Zach Kellogg here with Braden Kane. We're just going to hop right into things here. First up, Vandals women's basketball. They split their last road trip against Northern Colorado and Eastern Washington. Suffered a pretty close loss against the uh, the Bears. One on a buzzer beater against the Eagles up in Cheney, thanks to Michaela Ferenz. Took about five minutes in review afterwards of Braden. The women, they're kind of tightening up right now, kind of looks like. They lost a close one to North Northern Colorado that newly thought they could win. Won barely against an Eastern Washington team that isn't very good. What do you think is kind of happening to this women's team down the stretch? Um, You know... It's not like Northern Colorado's a bad team. Oh, they aren't. No, they aren't bad by any sense of the words. Just they're yeah. the top team. No, oh, they're actually not. But so it's a four-way tie for yeah. the top right now. It's Idaho, Idaho State, Portland State, Northern Colorado. Well, right now it's showing that we're a half game ahead of Idaho State, half Northern game Colorado. Ahead, yeah. So, um, but you know, it's not a horrible win. I wouldn't be frustrated with that. Lo- or, I mean, loss. I wouldn't be frustrated with that loss too much. Um, and my whole theory is, uh, yeah, I think we said this in last week's show too. You beat a team twice, you don't want to see them again in the tournament. Yeah. So I feel like if we match up against Northern Colorado again, it's going to be a win for us and okay. when it matters in the tournament. Um, and that Eastern game was huge, obviously. It would have hurt mm-hmm. It would have hurt to drop two games after this win streak we were just on. But, yeah, uh, yeah huge shot by Michaela. Obviously, everyone knew the ball was going to get into her hands, and that's why she is the player she is. That's why you have her on, her te- on your team is to say, it's your time. You know, like, yeah. this is why you're our best player time to come in clutch and hit this shot and she did so yeah when, when watching those last two games it's it just something about this team that doesn't seem right right now they had 19 turnover against northern colorado and 16 against eastern washington taylor pierce off the inbound had what could have been the game losing turnover because eastern washington called the timeout went down got a bucket to take the lead it's like this team like they're usually so clean they usually just run their offense they're still getting buckets offensively and they're still kind of doing their thing playing pretty solid defensively but it's just the turnovers they're just being a lot more sloppy with the ball they just aren't don't have that same kind of just precision pass mentality it, it, it just doesn't it looks different it just looks like there's really tight right now kind of like what coach Nui was talking about I talked to him this week you know obviously there's some not distractions but outside things that have been mm-hmm. going on with this team lately with friends breaking the record for all-time lane scorer Taylor Pierce you know getting her 403 or whatever it was so those maybe play a part into it. They're maybe not as focused as they should be. I don't feel like, you know, they're saying – I don't think it's like a like a main reason why they are, you know, playing not as well as they should be. But yeah. And then also, man, you got to take the weather into account a little bit. We know how the winter's been up here the last three weeks in Moscow, yeah. and it's been brutal with a lot of snowfall. And, you know, that does affect traveling at times. And I don't know. To me, I know it can affect people mentally easily. You mm-hmm. know, I've felt a little bit down a couple of days just from the crappy weather and, you know, having no sunlight. So you never know. There's a lot of different factors factors that could be playing into it. But then again, you got you to gotta consider that we were on a, what, six-game six, six winning streak. Yeah. So, you know, all good things do come to an end eventually. And you know what? It's good that we had a couple of rough games, I think, because now we get to close out with – um, NAU, Southern Utah this week, two of the bottom teams, I'm pretty sure, in the conference. Yeah, they're, they're in the bottom three right there. Yeah, they're they're the yeah they're in the bottom three. And then Portland State will be a, definitely a good matchup for them. Yeah, on the, the road. That'll It'll be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you got Sac State and Weaver, who, once again, they're bottom four teams as well. And then and we finish off against Idaho State in Cowan special. In Cowan, which will be a nice rivalry game where yep. – It'll be, once again, another pretty big matchup going into the tournament. So I think it's okay that, you know, they're, they've they been playing a little bit of rough lately. If they can turn it around, which I think they will this week, then okay. we're going to be looking good. So, you know, not everyone can play perfect all the time. Um, like I said, all good things will come to an end sometimes. So that's okay with me. I think we're going to end the season strong and be a top-two seed going into the tournament. Yeah, and coming into this week, we're, like you kind of said, uh, Northern Arizona, Southern Utah coming to town. We're playing in Memorial Gym this week. I mean – 
the Lumberjacks and Thunderbirds, they just aren't very good this season. They just they're the Thunderbirds are one and eleven on the road this year. Like mm-hmm. they are just awful on the road and Northern Arizona they they just aren't very good. Like they both teams can kinda rebound, they can kinda play some solid defense, but I there's not really a whole lot to go into. It's mostly just kind of saying, Oh, these players are okay. Our players are just far better. I think mm-hmm. as long as Newley has his team go out, do what they do. It'll be an easy 15-20 point win, I think. There's not really a ton to go into for, for these upcoming weeks. I think we're going to have a, mm-hmm. another weekend sweep start and have, be on a three-game winning streak mm-hmm. again. You know, uh, if there was any time of the season to kind of break down a little bit, it was definitely this past week coming into this week with those two really easy matchups. So I'm not too worried about our women. Yeah, the, the one thing that I would be worried about is just the four, the four games in seven days, just that weird Big Sky yeah. scheduling. Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. It's just... I'm guessing the players might be a little tired, but our bench is so deep. So many players yep. on that roster are going to shoot the ball, light it up, and then there's also some solid defensive players like Juliet Jones coming off the bench. Yep. I mean, Gina Marson plays almost 40 minutes a game, and she looks sharp as a tack all the time. Yep. It's like So I, I think we'll get another sweep. Um, and now we'll take a quick look at the men's team. I mean, they're – A quick look. Yeah, quick look. I mean, 1-11 <laughs> in conference. I mean – and, and, and it only gets worse – it really does. Uh, we have now officially lost two more players on the season. Chance Garvin and Cassius Smiths are done. So that now totals up to four injuries on this team. Yep. You know, when you're a young team, this is the last thing you want to happen is have – Your young guys get hurt. Or it, just even, it, it you know, really, obviously yeah. Nate Sherwood beginning of the season, huge hit. Everyone knew that. Everyone mm-hmm. knew it was going to be a little bit more of a challenge now. But you lose him – you lose a really good athletic defender in Markel Frazier, who was kind of almost in between a four and a three uh, when it comes yeah. to his positioning on the floor. But you lose him, too, you know, before conference play starts. And now Chance Garvin, who has been a pretty solid player for us um, when it comes to just his efficiency. He doesn't turn over the, the ball over too much. I feel like he's a pretty smart player. And then obviously losing Cassius Smith, you know, that's another 6'9 player down low. Now we're down to Scott Blakeney. As our, our only big big guy, Kadeem yeah. Sam is about six seven, but he's pretty scrawny. Yeah, I was say Kadeem and and Jared Rodriguez, they're both pretty yeah. pretty slender guys. So you know, like I said, it just continues to be kind of a, you know, dang it, <laughs> you know, type of season. Like we can't really catch a break. But um, you know, talking to Coach Verlin this past week in our interview, he just says you know the energy needs to be more consistent. Um, I know a lot of their goal for the rest of the season is let's win these second halves at least because he feels like that's where they've been. Um, Kind of deterior, deter, deter, uh, deteriorating, deteriorating. I can't say it. Yeah, I know, I've been good. having trouble all week pronouncing <laughs> stuff. But yeah, and so you know, he's just kind of focusing on the next year. I feel like just trying to get the guys that are playing right now to um, just learn as much as they can, improve as much as they can. Um, I I like to call it. I'm going to call this season in a way almost a beautiful disaster. Okay. Because we're not going to lose anyone on this team unless people transfer out, which is a possibility. But assuming that we keep everyone, we're going to have our entire team back. We're probably going to be the most experienced team in the Big Sky. We have our new transfer from Morgan State. He was going to be playing in January. Um, so these guys getting hurt also paves paves the way for more guys to get more playing time. Lassini Camaro has got a start in these last couple of games. Um, you know, you're getting to see, like I said, Kadeem Sam play a lot more now, especially since Cassius is down. Um and, you know, Geno West getting more minutes. So I feel like some of these guys are getting really valuable experience down the stretch. And these guys know they're probably not going to make a run in the tournament. <laughs> but they're hoping they can pick up at least one more win. My prediction before the season was I don't think we'll hit double-digit wins, and we're 100% on track to do yeah. that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think this is kind of a beautiful disaster. And then coming into next year, I think we're going to be a team to, to uh, look out for. Yeah, th- this will be an interesting offseason, just kind of what this team will do. And, and I think I totally agree with Verlin that they need to start winning second halves because they just look like they just quit, on all honesty, when they come out of locker room at halftime because usually they're already down. Because, yeah. I mean, the first half they play pretty well, but they're still down by usually like 10-some points like that. And a lot of these games, you know, on paper, look like they should be close. Statistically, we're hanging with teams. We're shooting around the same percentage. Yeah, We're getting out-rebounded every game. That's the only consistent stat where we're really um, not doing too well. Mm-hmm. But on paper, it looks like we should be hanging with all these teams, but it's also the turnovers. We're young. We turn the ball over a lot, which just takes away shot opportunities, hence us having similar shooting percentages to teams yeah. because we still shoot the ball decently well. But, you know, it's just, like I said, young team. Beautiful disaster. Let's see what can happen next year. Yeah, next year will be really interesting, just like you just said, what will happen with this team. Uh, for this week, Southern Utah 
in Northern Arizona, I'm predicting two losses. I mean, yeah. on the road, mm-hmm. not, not really. Like I can't. Like you've already, you've already kind of hit all the points. The turnovers, second half has injuries. Been great. Injuries. So, it's so, so I, I think we'll go one in thirteen. Yeah, and keep fighting, boys. Keep your heads up. Keep getting better. Keep a positive attitude about it. And um, rake your butt off this off season, and then you might come in and smack some teams in the mouth next year. Oh, for sure. Well, we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to look at our college basketball picks of the week along with some NBA news and some, did LeBron ruin the NBA? All right, welcome back, everyone. Zach Kellogg here with Braden Kane. Now we're going to jump right into our college basketball picks of the week. First, we're going to take a look back at last week's pick picks. Um, Braden and I both went one-on-one, but we picked... The opposite of the two games that we had, uh, the third game we had was Northern Carolina Duke, which will be played on Wednesday, February 20th, the day after this goes live. <laughs> and so we both thought Duke is going to win that game. Um, but we picked Tennessee versus Kentucky and Montana versus Weber State. Um, Braden, how did you do on your picks? Um, I got the Kentucky game right after changing my pick last minute. They just won the second half. Oh, they long, killed, yeah. 49-38 to 38 in the second half. They were up six already at halftime, so huge win for Kentucky. I get. I wasn't a huge fan of them beginning of the season. I didn't think they were looking too good. They're starting to turn around now. Um, but, yeah, they look like they played a pretty good game. I mean, looking at this box score right now, um, let's see. They held. Schofield only had 17, and Grant had 16. Um Held Schofield to seven of eighteen shooting. He was one for six from the three point line. Um, let's see. Oh, Tennessee. Ooh, yeah. Tennessee shot forty percent from the field and twenty eight percent from three. I think yeah. that's where it really hurts. Yeah, it, while, it was oh, an ugly game. Yeah, and Kentucky shot the crap out of the ball, fifty four percent. Let's see who's Washington. Whoever P P J. That's what I thought. P J. Washington with a huge game for them. Um, he had. 23 so yeah i mean kentucky's looking really good they're looking really good and coming into the sec tournament so um the remaining schedule too so they're 21 and 4 right now they got tennessee again i i don't think they'll pull that one out <laughs> yeah i don't think they'll pull that one out yeah, that, that, that'll, if they pull out two wins and then it's almost guaranteed tennessee's yeah. gonna beat them in the tur- in the sec tournament if they meet mm-hmm. So they go Auburn, Arkansas, at Tennessee, at Old Miss, and Florida in that last game, which never sleep on Florida. Florida's still Florida. So yeah. I, I feel like they're still a, a, a historic basketball program. I so. feel like since they lost Billy Donovan a few years ago, they just haven't really been the same type of program. Have, yeah. Not as feared as they once were. But, I mean, still, it's still like the SEC still has some okay teams in there, like some teams that can get some upsets, and Florida's one of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for when it comes to Tennessee's resume for the tournament, they're okay with this loss. They're not okay with how much they lost by, but you lose to a top five team. You know, it's not going to hurt your resume too much coming into March Madness. So I still see the Vols getting a top two seed. Yeah, and then uh, Montana versus Weber State. I got that one right. I picked the Grizzlies to win, and they did. Uh, it was a really tight one, 83-80. Um, I mean, it's kind of what you expect with some of these top teams. We're going to have another – Montana just seems to o- lately be playing, like, all the top teams in the big sky these mm-hmm. past few weeks. We've been picking all, a lot of their games. We have another one here today. But, I mean, it's just kind of what happens when you have a good team. And, like, he seems like their schedule is pretty stacked right now. They're just playing a lot of these one, two, and th- or these two, three, and four teams in the Big Sky. And they're holding true so far this year. They're definitely the most talented team in the conference. Without a doubt, yeah. Like I said, they remind me a lot of our team last year, um, how deep they are. And just um, they're kind of like main guys when it comes to Jamar Aiko, um, Pridget. Oh, I can't even say his last name. Michael Ob. Ogini, I think is what they I say. I think it's Ogini, but yeah, it's one of those names where it's just yeah. Unless you have a pronunciation guide, it's just impossible. Mm-hmm. And then Ahmad Rory, obviously. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I expect them to do this kind of stuff. I did pick, I did pick against them because I thought Weber would pull it out at home, but um, I want to see this play by play. I want to know how they, I didn't watch the game, so I'm really looking to see how uh, the end of it went. If if Weber had a chance to put up a shot or not, or if it was kind of just a free throws type thing at the end. I watched I watched the end of it, but I, I just can't remember right off the top of my head what happened. So, yeah, they had a they had a couple. To, wow, they had two chances at the end. Jarek Harding pulled up and missed a three. They got an offensive rebound, and then Breckett Chapman, who got the board, missed a jumper. So they had a chance. 
Yeah. And it was Kendall Manuel um, hitting some clutch free throws at the end to give him a three-point lead. So it was a it was a one-point lead with 13 seconds left. Yeah. So yeah, like it, it was it was a tight game, but yeah, like Montana. I mean, you got to win those close games, and that's exactly what they did. Um, so now we're gonna go into our picks this week. We got some good games on the schedule. First up, number three Virginia at number eight, number eighteen Louisville, Virginia, twenty-three and two. Their only two losses. Top-ranked Duke. Um, Kyle Guy leads their team with 15.4 points per game, along with four rebounds, about two assists. DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome. This Virginia team is very talented, but Louisville, uh, Jordan Norwa, I think is how you say his last name, he's averaging almost 18 points a game, along with almost eight boards. He is he is playing at a very high level for this, um, this Louisville squad. I'm going to pick Virginia, though, to get the win on the road, though, but I think th- they said that it's going to be – it's, hev- it's favored for Virginia, but I think it's going to come down very close because Virginia is pretty well balanced and they have some good scores because you're number three. But I think Louisville is going to give them a real fight when they're at home. Yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with you and go with Virginia. Louisville looking really good against Duke until that it, last it, part of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's where kind of I'm like, I'm going to go with Virginia. Louisville couldn't handle the pressure. Their guards definitely couldn't handle the, the pressure at the end of the game. And yeah. We're not playing well at all, but I'm going to agree with you. Virginia, you know, you lose two games to Duke, the best team in the country. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's understandable, and I think there's a reason why that's their only two losses and why they can beat every other team in the country. So, yeah, I'm going with the Cavaliers in this one. Yeah, and Louisville, like all their losses they've had against, like, uh, North Carolina, um, Duke, Florida State, a lot of these good teams, they've only been by one, maybe two possessions. Like, they are in these ball games, so I think they'll hang with Virginia, maybe give them a scare at home. I think Virginia will just, like, they're just so much more, they're just more talented and they can finish down the stretch more. I think they'll just pull away at the end. So we're both picking Virginia right there. Next up, we have number 10 Michigan State at number 7 Michigan in Ann Arbor. This is going to be a real great game. Michigan State, they started off really strong. They lost three in a row, which kind of started after that Purdue game that we picked a few weeks back. And now they are back on a three-game winning streak. Cassius Winston and Nick Ward are balling out right now. Cassius is having 18 points a game, seven boards, shooting 43% from three. He's really having a great season so far. Nick Ward, 15 points a game, 6.7 rebounds, and 60% from the field down low. He's just been a great force inside. But this Michigan team... They started off 18-0. They were really climbing the rankings. But then that loss to Wisconsin, uh, they're 5-3 and three now in their last eight. They're led by a freshman. I'm going to butcher this name. He, uh, Ignis uh, Brodskius? Uh, it's uh, it's Brazadikis. Brazadikis, yeah. I, was, I saw it, and I was like, no way I'm going to get and this right. And they call him sure. Iggy. Iggy, all right. And then Charles Matthews, the senior, 13.2, 5.2 rebounds. I'm going to pitch Mickey. Pick Michigan State, number 10, upset over Michigan in Ann Arbor. I think I'm going to agree with you on that one. Michigan has not been looking in tip-top shape lately with that loss to Penn State. Yeah. Lost to an Iowa team, but they were ranked during that time. Um, win against number 24, Maryland, which is, a you know, obviously you need to pick up a win like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to agree with you, too. And they have the Minnesota game before that on the road, so they'll be coming off yeah. of a road game. Um, I'll agree with you and go with Michigan State in this one. I want to know what was the first matchup like. Oh, they, this is the first time they play. Oh, they, they, they play again oh, on the last game gosh, of the season. Man, so you have to hate that. <laughs> I mean, just think about this last week of this last week of the season. We're gonna have Michigan State, Michigan. We're gonna have Duke, North Carolina again. There's gonna be some great college basketball going Kentucky, down. Kentucky, Tennessee again. Kentucky, Tennessee. Like those are. I think we already found our three matchups for that last week of the yeah. season because that's gonna be insane. Though all those, all three of those games are probably gonna determine seeding for their conference. Like, that's what I'm saying. You hate to play almost. You know, a conference championship game right before you go into your conference tournament. Exactly, like, which means you're probably going to see those guys again at least some point in that tournament. It's going to be that's going to be a cra- this conference tournament season might be the best we've had in a while because just so much can go down in that last mm-hmm. week of play that'll change pretty much everything. And then some, you know, some other interesting conference tournaments you got to look at too. I think the Mountain West was going to be an interesting tournament. Oh well, yeah. Will Nevada well, be able to pull it exactly. out? San Diego State will they pull off an upset? And they BSU, play. They I play mean, tonight too. I think they're yeah. um, San Diego State's sixteen and nine. So they're they're not a horrible team in the Mountain West, but I mean, there's you're yeah, you're exactly right. Some of these conference tournaments are going to be very exciting to watch. The Pac-12 too. Because they're totally so grabs, wide open. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like so Washington. Like they were solid, but I think I'm starting to see them kind of waver a little bit. I don't think they've picked up a conference loss yet, but I, it's still up for grabs in my opinion, and really anyone can come in and steal it. Yeah, and I I want to look at where Washington's at right now. I'm not sure if they um 
they have lost yet. I, I think they might have. I think they might have dropped a game. All right, let, if let, not, they should be up there. Yeah, but like just as you were saying, it, it what what can happen in this last part of the season? Like it hasn't been this way in quite a while. Usually, it's like oh, like this team dominating in in so and so conference, like the Pac-12 dominated the ACC being dominated. Uh, they uh, Washington does have a conference loss. They do. They just they're eleven and one to ASU by twelve. Yeah, and ASU. I wow, mean, they beat Wazoo by two. Yeah, Wazoo, <laughs> and Wazoo is is not very good this season. I mean, Wazoo we saw them play against Idaho, and it was not and like it was. And so I mean, like that's the thing. It's like that's what I'm saying. Like they're wavering a little bit. They only won against by seven against Arizona. Like slowly but surely, these games, all these games, are trying to get closer and closer. These teams are trying to figure each other out. The, the Pac-12, the ACC, the the Big Ten, they're almost all up for grabs right now, and that'll. Mm-hmm. Oh, completely it, change March Madness when SEC it time comes. too, man. SEC too, no doubt. SEC, yeah. Um, and so we're both pushing Michigan State after we go on a bit of that tangent. Um, and now we're gonna take a look at our Big Sky matchup of the week: Northern Colorado versus Montana, one versus two in Missoula. I gotta pick Montana. I they, do they, too. they are I have just to pick them too. all right. So we're we're in a, we're in a, uh, agreement for all the picks this week. But I mean Montana, like they have just looked so good. Northern Colorado is a very good team. You don't get to be number two and be bad. But uh, Montana at home, I feel like it's going to be a 10-point win. I'm going to call it and say that they're going to win by a, a kind of wide margin. Mm-hmm. And we just watched Northern Colorado play this last Thursday against us, and they're good. They're a good team, no doubt, but Not I definitely doubt. think Montana has more talent than them. A lot, yeah. a lot more scoring ability, I think. A lot more um, individual ISO play scoring ability for Montana, which I think is key when you're going to play in a potentially really close game. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, so we're both picking Montana. And now we'll transition to the pros, the NBA. Um, so on Fox Sports 1, their show First Take with Skip Bayless, they had Michael Rappaport and Rob Parker today. Um, Rob Parker came on and had a take saying that LeBron has ruined the NBA with this AAU mentality of teaming up uh, since Damian Lillard said that he doesn't want to chase the rings and he kind of wants to stay in Portland and kind of build his own thing. I feel like this is a big argument's coming through right here, but I don't <laughs> think LeBron has ruined the NBA. I believe that kind of super teams have always been a thing. And, like, what's wrong with stars wanting to go and play together? That just makes people want to watch the sport more. It makes it more top-heavy, but it makes for more enjoyable basketball, and people want to watch it more. The one thing that um, I think about when I hear this statement is, you know, not only was the league completely different back in that day when Jordan played, even the early 2000s, which, by the way, there were super teams in the early I, 2000s. I was going to say, I'm like, I was going to bring up the Lakers. Yeah, Gary ex- Payton and Carl Malone going to Lakers to try and win a ring exactly. when they lost to the Pistons. You're going to tell me that wasn't a super team? Stars who weren't in their prime but were still, still legitimate stars going to a team with Shaq and Kobe. It's ridiculous that people are saying LeBron started the super team thing. No, LeBron was just the most recent case of it, and mm-hmm. that's why people are so furious about it because they think LeBron ruined everything. It's just it's Kobe fans and Jordan fans are saying they ruined everything, but it's not the case. You know, and how much input did NBA fans and just general, you know, even analysts, stuff like that, how much input did they have in the 90s? All they had was going on TV, going on the radio. With, with social media nowadays, the game has changed completely. These guys, these athletes are communicating through social media. You know, they're on the same um, sports agencies, just like LeBron James and Anthony Davis are. And I feel like that has a big – it plays a lot into it. When you see all these fans who are now tweeting, you know, PG, go to L.A., LeBron, go to L.A., you know, Kawhi, go to the Clippers. Like, I want to see this happen. I want to see this happen. A lot more opinions get taken into account. Compared to the 90s where all all you heard – was the radio guys and the dudes on ESPN and all the different TV shows. But even then in the 90s, like, you didn't have personality shows. It was just guys literally reporting what was happening. There were no talking heads, which is – talking heads are always great to listen to because it gives you various opinions about sports that you would never have on your own, and it just kind of brings up these kind of topics that we otherwise would never really talk about. And like you you said about social media, it's just – but I just hate people are blaming LeBron for a problem that – or not a problem, but something that's been around for for years, and it's – and one thing is that, like, with the Anthony Davis one going on the trading block, saying he wants out, wants to go to L.A., and people are being mad at the Lakers for trying to get a trying to trade for him. Yeah, I don't think they should have offered their entire freaking team and yeah. their entire franchise selling their soul. But if a top five player in the league wants to come to your team, imagine if it was the Heat. Then '80s, like, I want to go to the Heat. You're 
going to trade just about freaking everything to get that kind of player to try and build up a franchise. It, it, I hate people that are saying, like, oh, Lakers shouldn't go for AD. It's like, top five player in the league wants to come for your team. He legitimately wants to play for you, and you're not going to try and mm-hmm. give an offer. It's ridiculous. So you're telling me that Shaq going to the Suns with Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, that's not – You no one got mad about that. No one was it's, upset about that. I'm like, I would consider that a super team. Shaq and Amari Stoudemire down low in Amari's prime with, yeah. with an MVP point guard who's known for getting you the ball. That's what his specialty is. How, how are we not getting mad about that? Yeah, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And it, it just really – I just started like Rob Parker and Skip Bayless are like the t- – mostly Skip Bayless really got, is the guy who like really tries to hammer this home, trying like really just hurt – like try and go after LeBron and mm-hmm. like say he's – He's to blame for everything wrong with the NBA right now. It's like, really? So, with this Golden State team that everyone said has ruined the NBA because it's just not competitive anymore, who was the guy crying in the in the parking lot calling KD up because LeBron just beat him in seven games and they were a 73-1 team? That was freaking Draymond Green with a 73-1 Warrior team calling the second-best player on the planet saying, hey, we need you to come here for you and see if, you, if we want to win a ring yep. against this LeBron guy. It's what it is. Super teams will always be there. Stars want to play with each other sometimes. Sometimes they don't. Who cares? I respect Dame for not wanting to get rings. Dame's an awesome player. That's why I like him. That's why I like Kawhi for wanting to go to the Clippers instead of the Lakers. That's why I like Paul George staying in uh, Oklahoma City to try and win with Russ. But I also respect player if they went to L.A. with LeBron and tried to win a ring. I don't see a problem with it at all. And the culture of just sports and basketball overall has changed a lot. Back in the day, you know, you didn't really think about how can I set up my kid for the best possible, you know, schooling career, you know, if he wants to be in the NBA, how do I set him up the, you know, for the best possible opportunities? I don't feel like that was happening that often in the 90s. It was I don't want my kids to move around too much. I want to keep my family in the same spot. No, nowadays, LeBron's like I want my son to be able to have the best opportunity to play basketball wherever. Yeah. So me going to LA is also benefiting my family. Yeah. Which I know maybe that's not a huge topic that could be brought into this conversation, but still. And I totally agree with you. I don't think he ruined it. Mm-hmm. Did the Heat win championships immediately when he got there? No, the Dallas they, beat them with exactly. Dirk and Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler. It's like it, that's the thing. People act like super team equals unstoppable team. Even look at Golden State in seventy three wins. They beat a LeBron only Cl- Cleveland team. The next year they went seventy three games with an arguably even better team. LeBron and Kyrie take them down. Yep. The next year and then with KD, it's like. That Cleveland team, not as talented. Next year, Cleveland, not as talented. The week, the East was super weak. I could understand this argument, too, if LeBron never came back to Cleveland. He came back. Yeah. He came back, and he said, no, I want to win a championship with, you know, with the team I started with. It's not like he just gave up and said, oh, screw it. I know where I got drafted. I'm not going to pick up a win or a championship. No, that wasn't – he went back. He did it. He got a city for – he got a championship for his city – that end of story, end of argument. No, and, and like Rob Parker brought this up today. He's saying that uh, when LeBron left Cleveland the first time, is that he should have stayed in Cleveland. They could have built the franchise. He could have had the players. He and, stayed there for how many seasons? And I was like, he took them to the finals on his back against that Pistons team that had just recently won a championship, lost to the Celtics like he in, in the playoffs twice, once in the conference finals, once in the, in the semis. It's like Dan Gilbert – I really don't like him as a GM and as an owner because he has no idea what he's doing. And did you see the teams that LeBron had when he was having oh those his, quote unquote successful years in Cleveland? He was literally having the team on his back and carrying them all the way through the playoffs in the regular season. He had Ilgauskas. Mo Williams was his second best player. Verizhao, maybe Larry Hughes. Yeah, it's like um, Eric Snow, you know, <laughs> the, the guy who helped uh, Delonte West. AI in the 2000. Yeah. Um, finals how'd that go again oh that's right they they got swept but i mean lebron had no one on that team and i hate people saying he should have stayed in cleveland i would want out of cleveland too like i'm there for what seven years nothing changes i'm carrying this team and they're not doing anything for me because no one wants to come to cleveland i'm gonna go with my buddy d wade and get Mm -hmm. chris bosh from toronto we're gonna try and win this thing and they did twice out of four years i could be wrong go ask charles barkley how awesome it was staying in one place for your entire career and not ever getting a championship yeah now he now he gets he gets ragged on it for the rest of his life that's (laughs) exactly one thing they brought to is like lebron didn't want to be like charles barkley charles barkley is a great player he's one of the best power forwards of all time but not having a ring really hurts your case 
in terms of being labeled as one of the all-time greats. He was in Philly, didn't work out. He tried to go to Phoenix, didn't work out. Then he tried to team up, team up with Hakeem and Kenny Smith and um, Clyde Drexler in Houston. They didn't win a ring. And Charles Barkley is one of those guys that also hates super teams. Dude, you tried it, yep. and it didn't work. Quit being sad about it. I'm sorry you didn't win a ring, but you can't like be a hypocrite and, bl- and knock someone down for doing something you did too. Another thing too, this league has changed a lot to where in the 90s, I feel like you players wanted to win more than make money. They wanted to win. Because you didn't make as much money as exactly. you do now. Exactly. You like wanted it. to win. So that's why guys stayed on the teams they're with. That's why you had these natural super teams. That's why you had Pippen and Kerr and Jordan and um, Tony Kukoc on the same team. That's why you had Carl yeah. uh, Malone and John Stock exactly. and Jeff Hornacek on that Jazz on the team. S- because you know what? They were okay with the money they were making. They had no reason to leave. Nowadays, I mean, no players. Else, are, yeah, it's like no one else anywhere is offering more money. It's like you really got the money that you did. Exactly. What else? Because no one, no agent was like, we want twenty million a year. No agent was asking that because nobody was gonna pay it. Exactly. It's a whole different name of the game now. When you can get huge hundred plus million contracts with different teams, you're gonna do it. You know, the the whole concept of just wanting to win is still around. AD's not gonna take the huge extension that he could get. Dame Lil just said, I don't care how much money I get off from other teams. You know, I'm going to stay in Portland. So that winning mentality is still around. But like we said, the money is really a huge factor now. Well, I mean, yeah, it, you're t- it's like it's like if you ask someone, hey, you know, the company that you work at right now, it's pretty good. You make solid money. I'm going to offer you a job over at Fox Sports One. We're going to pay you 20 million dollars a year and you get to work with some of these great guys. But you'll be about a fifth fifth guy on the ladder. I'd be like, I'd be already packing my bags before they were done with that sentence because I'd be making so much more money at somewhere where I'm still doing what I love. The game's always changing. Pe- my, people just hate change. That's, people can't handle remember, change. Remember when dunking wasn't allowed in basketball? Remember when there wasn't a three-point yeah, shot? Remember, we don't, but remember I Remember mean, how old heads probably hated the changes back then that came to the league? Yeah. Why do you need to dunk the ball like that? What's up with all that frazzle-jazzle? You know, just lay the ball up. Or, yeah, when the and now we have dunk contests, and now the yeah. best player in college basketball, all we can talk about is how freaking fat he dunks the ball. Yeah. Like, the then, game's always changing. Yeah, and then in the 70s when they added the three-point shot, how many people were like, why do you need a three-point shot? What's the point of that? It's just, why should this shot be more valuable than that shot? It, it when the, Remember in like in the 90s, there was no help defense. You literally couldn't be away from man for more than three seconds or else it was a foul. But then there was hand-checking. It's like everything changes, and it's usually for the better. People just need to get over themselves and just embrace a change rather than just a knee-jerk react to anything that doesn't agree with what they already know. Perfect transition into another argument I wanted to bring up. Okay. Kobe and Shaq sat down and talked, and they were saying, so some of these, you know, super teams, could we have beat them? And him and Shobi and and Kak, Kobe and Shaq sat there, and they were like, oh, yeah, we beat the Warriors right now, no problem. Nope. You don't think? Nope. That Lakers team, that dynasty, they were great. Like, the 3 P, they could not be the Warriors. Because the Warriors have that three. The three-point shooting that the Warriors have with, Cur- with Curry and Clay and KD, Draymond's still okay defensively. It's like, if you take the best Warriors team. Which Who guards Shaq? Who guards Shaq? Who guards Shaq? You, Shaq, defensively, he's a liability. Who, but who? Uh, no, I mean, guard him down low. All it, all it comes down to is pace. The Lakers controlled the pace. Every game with that team. They right. controlled it. They worked the offense around. They got the easy buckets down low with Shaq. I mean, yeah, that triangle offense Teams worked, try to yeah. play to the pace the Warriors play at. And that's why I think they struggle. I, I, I'm not going to say outright the Lakers would beat them in a seven-game series, but it would be a lot more closer than people would think. Oh, I'm not saying it would be a sweep. I'm, I'm saying that you You I'm, feed Shaq down low, athletic Shaq, prime Shaq. Yeah. Like you know, I'm not saying yeah, I'm not saying it'll be a four zero sweep blowouts every game. Like I think it'd be a six hey, or seven the, game series. The Lakers had dudes, Robert Ory, Derek I'm, Fisher. Yeah, they could shoot from the outside. Like yeah, that, that's. <laughs> what do you What do you do when you got super athletic Kobe Bryant who can score in any way he wants on you? So can KD. Okay, they okay. can match he shot can. for shot. He can, but when the pace is changing and the Lakers are getting the shots that they want every time, and let's say the Warriors are just off that game shooting. But I mean, if you're doing a seven game series, that's maybe one game where they're gonna be off. Where mm-hmm. they where they shoot below thirty percent from three, below thirty five percent from three. What they were trying to get at in this little interview they did was like we would have just worn them down, beaten them up. No teams go inside that much anymore. That's that's, a, that, that's one thing is that 
that's that, that's a hard part. It's why I hate comparing eras because it's so difficult. It's like it compar- comparing. It's like comparing even like like Jordan to Julius Irving yeah. or to the old school Milwaukee Bucks or to the old school Celtics. It's like it's it's just so hard to compare eras, and I hate doing it because the games are so different. That's that's one thing I was getting at before. Is just I think just like thinking about the eras and how they would collide. I think the Warriors would win, but it's just so hard because you could literally never know because the game is just so much more different. See, the thing is, is when you're taking more inside shots, when you're really pounding it inside like the Lakers would, and you have that outside threat in Kobe Bryant who can score from any any point on the floor, you know, it it's different when the Warriors can't get a ball in transition and do what they do and go run, get an open three, get an easy layup. When Shaq is pounding you inside every time and dunking on you, you have to take the ball out, you have to bring the ball up, and they're already back on defense. And, yeah, you can do your off-ball screens for Clay. You can do all that. The Lakers were still a defensively good team. Obviously, they won three championships. Yeah. So that's where I'm thinking it's less outside shots that usually can have longer rebounds that lead into transition. It's mm-hmm. more we're pounding it inside. If you get a rebound, it's Draymond getting it first, or it's one of your posts. So then have to outlet it to Curry. It just takes more time. I, I think there's an argument for it. I'm not going to say the Lakers would outright be a better team, yeah. but that's where I'm saying, so I think some of these older teams could still hang with some of these super teams. So are they really super teams? Well, yeah, no, like for sure. Like these older, like that's the reason they're all time great teams. Like you think back, what was it? Was it like 86, like the those Lakers and Celtics when they met in the finals yeah. with Bird and Magic? It's like all when Kareem first came to, or not the, uh, for the Lakers, it's like, you just think back, like when Wilt was there, when Kareem was there for the Lakers. When you think about the old with Hakeem Olajuwon in, with mm-hmm. in Houston, you could even make an argument for the old school Orlando Magic with Penny Hardaway and yeah and Shaq. Like that was still a very good team. They almost won the. Did they have T Mac on that team with them or no? No, that was before T Mac was in he late went nineties. Yeah, he he was in early two thousands because he was yeah. still in in Toronto in ninety nine. Um, but I mean, you can make that. That we could have an entire argument just about comparing different teams from different eras, but it's just the hard hey, thing about a, there's it. There's another super team from the middle of the 2000s era, Yao Ming, T-Mac, Steve Francis. See, that's you're one not gonna super call, team. You're not going to call that a super team? Like, it, it's, it's – yeah, we can – that's the thing. It's like there, there's so many super teams, people just only focus on the most recent ones or mm-hmm. the ones that won the most rings. I do think the Warriors are pretty ridiculous with their team right now. You know, having – literally five all-stars start on your team <laughs> but that's that's one thing but even then it's like more people are watching the nba now than ever before yeah because of just how good the games are at least the top half of the league and even the east it's like the raptors the bucks the celtics the sixers like those teams are legitimately solid teams the bucks have the best record in the nba right now and then the west one through eight, you have teams with winning records right now in the playoff yep. race, and it's like they are all. They could possibly, arguably, anyone could really beat anyone. Mm-hmm. Argument for another day, though. But then NBA needs to clean up the refereeing. The traveling's getting out of hand. Yeah, the, it's they, getting they, out of hand. Out of hand. Yeah, that that'll be. We can touch on that another time. But yeah, that. I. You know what? We'll just talk about it right now because we got time. Um, the officiating for the NBA has gone way 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 more lax than when i remember when i watched exactly. it in about the mid 2000s early 2010s it has just gone way down in terms of and I don't the know referees if, actually calling anything anymore i don't know if it's just regular season ref refing maybe they're just gonna really tighten it up in the playoffs which i feel like they do usually but the bradley beal obvious travel and then you see that the nba re- official nba referees twitter page like tweeted out their um, defense about it, it's saying a player, like, I can't remember what they said. They literally pulled the rule out of the rule book and posted it, but what they posted didn't even fit what Beal was doing in the video. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, like, it said something that the while the ball is being gathered, the player gets that step plus two more, and homie took four. He took four steps. <laughs> and I'm like, like, yeah, like Harden does the same thing almost. It's like, it's bad. Harden has like made it into like a science to where he knows what he can do to get away with it, and he's done it so much. The referee's like, "Well, that's just what he does." I mean, no, his, we can't call it anymore. It's like, yeah, you can. You can his call double it. step back. You have to be putting the ball on the ground as you plant your inside foot to step back. You have to. You can't yeah. be. Ga- you can't. The ball cannot be coming up to your hand. 
Cause you then, take one step in and then two out. Because then, then you're already gathered the ball. You're pretty much already in the motion, what would be considered shooting or passing. And so you, it, it's just frustrating because you get taught all these things in high school and, you know, probably at the college level too, to where I was always taught you get a step and a half. It's when you're bringing up that ball, that gather, that's your first step. That's your first step. That's yeah. your first step. Like it doesn't. Unless you're in the air, like you like get it in the air and then you can take a one, two. Uh-huh. But even then, that's almost impossible to do in just a regular fast break setting. It's because, you know, if you're taking that step and then all of a sudden dribble again, they're going to call a travel or a double dribble or something because it just looks awkward. Yeah, that's the thing. If it looks awkward, they're going to call it. But the NBA, they've just become so numb now to the fact that these things happen. They're just like, it happens. People, it adds more (laughs) scoring. (laughs) The old quote, the old motto for the NBA, these things happen. Yeah, these things happen. (laughs) And it's just, it's just like, they're just like, they're like, it happens. Like, whatever. Like, it adds scoring. Who cares? It's like. It's just frustrating to a fan of the game. No, it's it like, makes it, it it makes the game. It makes pe- it easier to score. Yeah, I don't pe- want to see that. I want, I'd rather see Harden hit step backs with dudes right in his face, do, doing the step back legally. Because then I'll be like, this guy's insane. Yeah, I'll be like, he's he's doing these step backs that are nearly impossible because of how tight his defender is on him. But he knows that he's probably not gonna be able to get that shot off, so he does the extra step and he travels. Yeah, it's the NBA. It's still great to watch, like and don't get me Obviously, wrong about yeah. that. But I mean, it, it can be cleaned up because, like, I've watched a game back. What was it? It was, oh, what game was it? I think it was the Lakers Celtics from like the the o- 07 or 08 finals. I love those matchups. And it's like, just like how tight those games were. Physical. It's physical, and it's like I kind of miss that. Like I like the three point shooting. Who doesn't like people knocking down threes? But then I feel like you get like you remember last year in the Western Conference Finals, Rockets, um, Golden State when the Rockets missed like what was it, twenty two straight threes? Mm-hmm. And it's like when you live and die by the three, sometimes you really, really die by the three, and sometimes it leads to those games that would be close if a team would just change up their play style. But teams are just so accustomed now, do one thing, only do that thing, never change, and it's just kind of frustrating when you can't, when you don't see teams adapt when they need to. I remember back in the day when playoff games didn't get above a hundred like ever. Like, they barely ever, did. Yeah, ever, because teams actually played really hard defense. You had to actually run through your offense. It wasn't just, oh, one off-ball screen for KD, comes up, gets it, ISO. Everything's I, ISO now. I know. I remember when, like, literally guys were getting shots at the end of the shot clock every single – it was Paul Pierce or Kobe with the ball at yeah. the end of the shot clock because the defense was so good you couldn't find a shot early enough. Yeah. I and, miss- that, <laughs> and that's why they were talked about as, like, the best, like – uh, shooters when they had hands in their face because they literally did that every time down. But I mean, even now it's like ISO ball has just kind of taken over as kind of the like going back the AU mentality. It's like ISO ball, one guy on one guy, good. Let them go at it. The better man wins. The but o- now with the with the rules they are, the offensive guy wins eighty percent of the time. The other side of it too is the NBA is really its players are coming becoming less God given talent and more. I worked on my skills since I was eight years old yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a lot more skilled players, and that's why um, I saw some tweet that said uh, and when street ball um, created the ball handling, ball handling that's in the NBA today. And I had side-by-side videos of you know, some and one guys doing different stuff. Yeah. And it would show Kyrie doing his cross, and it looks very similar. Yeah. And in my mind, that's why I'm saying it's because guys are working on this kind of stuff when they're little. Every day. Yeah, it's like there's like the old story that Kyrie like used to practice his uh his crossovers and stuff like that with trash bags on his hands, mm-hmm. so he could just literally get the movements down to a perfect science, so he could cross over anyone that came yep. across him. And it's like, like even LeBron, like since he he's been a prodigy since he was in middle school. Yep. And it like Kobe, like he. And that's what AAU yeah. has done as well. It's like when you're playing ball all the time, you get you just get better. Mm-hmm. I I personal trained for my first time in my whole life, my junior year of high school. My little brother did it since he was like twelve. Yeah. And that's why I feel like you're seeing so many more talented and skilled players nowadays, and that's why there's more ISO ball. Because they know so many moves they can do. They've practiced them so much. They say, I can take anyone to the rim. Anyone I want. Yeah, it's... it's. And I feel like back in the day, it was we had that one guy who was really skilled. But it there was, was like... one guy. Yeah, there was one guy on the team that like could cross over. Like, I think back to the old Hawks and Knicks, Jamal Crawford. He was the one yeah, guy who yeah. could do that thing now. But now you have two or three guys on every team who can 
go it's ISO. Almost your entire team. Yeah, and so <laughs> I'm not complaining that there's guys yeah, who I'm, cross over anyone. Yeah, I'm not either. But it, it definitely just, makes it more exciting. But Yeah, but now everyone just needs to realize the NBA is different. It's not what it once was, and that's just the way it is. Yep. All right, and now we'll give it give to one last piece of NBA. We'll make this one pretty quick. Um, the first – or the, the back half of the season now underway. The bottom three teams in the league – Cleveland Cavaliers, New York Knicks, Phoenix Suns. Who do you think is going to get the first overall pick come draft time? It's tough to say because there's a lottery, but who 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 have the best odds? To I would get the first I would I would pick? like to see the Suns get it because mm-hmm. this could be the start of another kind of Warriors type team where they literally drafted a lot of their talent. Yeah, and you see Book come up. He's already he's I, to me. Did he was he in the All Star game? No, he wasn't. It's he, crazy. He's, he it's. He, it's hard for someone with that on that bad of a team to make the All Star yeah. game, and but I mean, with that with that Suns team, I would honestly want to see the Knicks get it because I just want Knicks that, or Suns, yeah, yeah, because I don't want to see Cleveland get it because Cleveland had no. their star, they had their their time in the spotlight. You, you don't you don't deserve no you one guys deserves wasted it again. Number one pick with Michael Bennett one year or no, it was not Michael Bennett, uh, Anthony Bennett, Anthony Bennett. Gosh, dude. Old Seahawks at the end. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but I mean, like, the Knicks, like, they, like, I don't want to say anyone deserves to be in the spotlight, but the Knicks deserve to get in the spotlight again. They haven't had a, like, even when Melo was there, they didn't get past the semi round of the playoffs ever. And so, I mean, they legitimately haven't been, been good since Patrick Ewing was there, on, in all honesty. Like, Melo was great, but the Ewing freaking yeah. Knicks was one thing. And the Suns have never really been that team since. Bar- since Barkley was there, and they just went to one finals, and they lost. Oh, they made it. They made it with Steve Nash. Oh, they made it with Steve. No, they didn't make the finals, did they? With Steve Nash. At least Western Conference. I know for the Western fact. Conference finals. Yeah, I'm talking about like the NBA finals. The the Sun because they, they always lost to the Lakers. They might have. Because I I don't think they did. But I mean, you get what I'm saying though. Like the Suns and the Knicks, I feel like those fan bases have been just legitimately starved of success for so long. Mm-hmm. I want to see them get another. Maybe not a Zion, but maybe like a R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish start, like you said, building up the dynasty. And I think if the Suns got it, who I kind of agree, that's the first team I want to get it. They could really build into something great and really make a run in two, three, four years to be the best team in the NBA. Yeah, they lost in the 2010 Western Finals. That was the last time they made it to the Western Conference Finals. So, yeah, they haven't been to the finals in a while. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying, like... Steve Nash like took helped him get there, but th- but before that it was it was Barkley mm-hmm. way back in the nineties, which was but yeah, yeah the the Knicks or the Suns I think it'd be great to see them get the number one pick. Did, did you see that one rumor? Just kind of going off topic here. So we talked about Porzingis going to the going to the Mavs. There was this rumor going around that the the big overall overarching strategy for this is that KD and Kyrie are gonna go yeah, to, to the Knicks, yeah. and then Porzingis is gonna take. He's going to deny his player option in 2020 and go back to New York when they have the first overall prick this year, too. So they'll have a four-man super team <laughs> in the long-term plan. I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, that is, if that well, happened, that would be the best play uh, of yeah, all did, time. Did you see that video of Kyrie talking to KD like in the hallway during the All-Star game? Yeah. <laughs> like Nick, Nick it, fans are like, just <laughs> clinging to every, like Guys, KD, or, yeah, KD and Kyrie, they looked at each other. Yeah. They're coming to New York, after, baby. After you told me that. What you just told me, thinking of that interaction between them and that video, yeah. totally could match up him go to Kyrie going, no, 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 listen, listen. listen. And then he's sitting there and he's going, Kristaps comes back. Yeah. <laughs> like, <you> know, like, <laughs> and then Katie's going, bro, come on now. Like, <laughs> but, but Katie's head, he's like, he's like, maybe, maybe, all right. <laughs> it would be insane. I mean, imagine if they got the first overall pick, they picked RJ Barrett, they get Katie and Kyrie in free agency, and then in 2020 – Kristaps uh, comes over in free agency for like a mid-level contract, or <laughs> I mean, Kyrie, Katie, Zion, 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 Kristaps. <laughs> that'd be that'd be a team I'd want to watch. That is a team that deserves to play in the Garden. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna go into our last segment here: our Mike Leach Awards of the Week for the craziest sports headlines that we could find. Uh, I'll go first right now. Uh, Roy Williams, the University of North Carolina head coach. Uh, last year in the Duke game, said he he met uh, rapper Two Chains, but he didn't know it, and he regrets not introducing himself as Three Rings. And I just think <laughs> that just makes it. Roy Williams is just such a goofy guy, honestly. Like you see him in the locker room, you just see him talking. He's, he's just such a chill guy, and I just love that that he that he's like, yeah, Three Rings. He's like Two Chains, Three Rings. Yeah, per- per- perfect matchup right here. He'd probably even say like, let's collab, man. Let's get let's, let's get a song. Collab. Join album. 
I'm trying to find mine. I, I know what the headline was. Or I know what the gist of the story was. But it was about, um, so apparently Josh Allen was at a uh, casino in Batavia, New York, where apparently it's legal to have casinos there and gamble. Yep. Or maybe it was in, you know, border of Atlantic City or something. Yeah, but something like that. regardless, a fan comes up to him with a picture of Josh Allen from scoring the game, the go-ahead touchdown against the Jaguars. You know, he's kind of like, almost doing like a WWE belt celebration or some yeah. flex or something. Yeah. He asks Josh Allen to autograph it, but he also goes, can you put a special mes- special message on there for me? Because I'm going to mail this to Jalen Ramsey. So he has <laughs> Josh Allen right on there in quotes, am I trash yet? Or, you know, or am I still trash? Am I still trash? Referencing when Jalen Ramsey was tweeting about the Bills drafting Josh Allen and saying he's trash. He's trash. Bad pig. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that boy look like an idiot. Whatever he said. So he ends up sending it to Jalen, and Jalen <laughs> puts a picture of it on Twitter and you know replies to Josh and says something like you know TF for the frick. Yeah. Um, the other version of that that he says, the frick you think, hashtag yes, <laughs> you're still trash. <laughs> I just thought it was great that you see those little fun, you know, interactions between NFL players outside of the season. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like like old school Richard Sherman. It's like yeah. those tra- you want that trash talking guy in the league and Jalen Ramsey's that guy right now. And he just roasts everyone that comes across his path <laughs> almost. And I just freaking love it. It just adds more personality to the league. That's what they need right now with them trying to rebrand themselves as a fun league that people want to watch we'll see if Jalen Ramsey in the next season is uh sending a picture of Josh's stats for next season saying yeah God. you trash still God, you <laughs> we'll see how for like, Josh yeah for like six years just yeah. non-stop like Josh Allen finally gets out of the NFL he's like yeah see you trash still. <laughs> we'll see if he can actually throw the ball next year all right well that'll be all for us here from the Vandal Scoreboard podcast uh, joined today by Brain Kane once again uh you can catch his work on Inside the Vandals he's also a new member of the UI Argonaut sports staff team. Catch his work and mine at thevandalnation.com, uiargonaut.com. Catch us both on Inside the Vandals. You can catch it, check that out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all for joining us, and as always, go Vandals.